Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. With me, I'm your host today, Fraser Wilson, and I'm pleased to say we're joined by Mail Sports Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott and Record Sports Andy Newport. How are we doing, lads? Very well, Ah, not too bad. Dust settled. Dust settled in Hamden now, or, or has it? That's a big question. Two, two days on from the cup final that failed to produce in so many levels, certainly from a, a Rangers point of view. Um, starting with yourself, Scott, uh, do you think there will be regrets in the Rangers camp from, from Hamden on Sunday? Oh, I would think so. There's plenty of regrets um, from players and manager, I think. Uh, in terms of the team selection, first of all, uh, I think Michael Beale, when he looks back, the cold light of day, certainly for me, <clears throat> he'll realise that either Raskin or Ryan Jack should have started the game, given the impact they had when they came on. Um, Cantwell or Tillman, that kind of advanced midfield role, I suppose you could maybe kind of toss that one up, no kind of 50-50 went with Tillman. I don't think too many people would have complained. Um, but listen, I, I mean, aside for that, you could argue all day about Know what the midfield three should have been. Know the makeup of the midfield. Ultimately, for me, I don't know what Andy thinks, but I mean Rangers lost the game, and Michael Beals touched on this himself. But no, Rangers lost the game because of their approach and their attitude and how they started the game in particular. Um, it's funny. I mean, me and Andy were at the pre-match press conference with the managers away at the start of last week, and. There was something that happened, I don't know if Andy would have picked up on it, but you know, the managers were doing things simultaneously and Ange Postacoglu came in and one of the big things he spoke about was how early in his career he realised that you know, he tried to play these games down you know, when it came to big games and cup finals, he tried to treat it like any other week, any other game and he realised early in his career after you know, losing a couple of them that you couldn't do that. You actually, you actually have to you know, reinforce with the players how big a week it is, how big a game it is, how important it is. So he talks about this for like 10, 15 minutes, goes away, and Michael Beal comes in and basically said the exact opposite. Said, I've tried, tried to tell the players it's just like any other game, it's like any other week, we'll not be doing anything different. And to me, Rangers played like that. They didn't play as if it was a, as if it was a cup final. Slow They'd, start, is that what yeah, you were alluding to? I, listen, no urgency, no tempo, no intensity, no hunger. I've used those four words so, so often with, with these Rangers players, particularly this season, particularly starting off games. I can't explain it. I don't know the reason for it. <clears throat> Why they can't start quickly with a tempo about them, I really don't know. And that's the re that's one of the reasons why I was convinced that Raskin would start the game. I know he's a new player. It'd have been his first old firm game, cup final. He's only just signed, so it's a big ask. But the one thing, even from the, the no one or two performances that we've seen from him so far, the one thing that he gives the Rangers team is a bit of urgency and a bit of tempo in midfield. Lundstrom and Kamara just don't don't have it, uh, and ultimately that's what cost them. I think Celtic played like it was a cup final. No, played like their life depended on it, started quick, got out the blocks, took control of the game. The, the midfielders 
demanding the ball, dictating the tempo and the rhythm. Rangers didn't do any of that. Rangers started playing when it was when they were two 0 down and tried to rally, and then you no, know, when they finally got into the game, it was almost it was almost too late. Um, and you look at the goals they lost. I mean, the first goal. I mean, I thought at the time Rangers were pretty passive for the goal. When you actually watch it over and over again uh, on the highlights, I mean, the space that that Celtic are given, given it's an old firm game and a cup final. I just thought it was incredible. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure Andy will agree. Real, real damning stuff there, Andy. Uh, no holding back. I mean, do you go along with that? It's particularly, particularly the starting lineup stuff where seven of those players started the 2019 final, and Raskin in particular, who seemed such an obvious choice for his energy in midfield, is left on the bench. I mean, sometimes these these uh, occasions are crying out for fresh blood. Someday to go in and make a an, an immediate impact, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, I listened to what Michael Beale said after the game, and he tried to explain, um, or he did explain his his reasoning behind it on, on the basis that the game against Hearts <clears throat> and the game against Celtic would not pretty much been the same starting eleven that uh, he put out, and obviously, you know, second half against Celtic where they get the two each draw, the, the three nil win at Tynecastle, they're probably the two best performances of his reign so far, but. I just think I tend to agree with Scott in terms of adjectives that you, you can throw at this Rangers team. This is the same midfield that has been largely responsible for Rangers' lack of urgency, lack of drive for the position that they now find themselves in. So to go back to that midfield and expect a different result, um, I just, I, I'm not sure that that was ever going to work. Um, I mean, I, I was sitting in the press room at Hamden uh, shortly before two o'clock when the, the teams came out, speaking to colleagues. Um, I can imagine the sort of reaction that, that we gave was pretty much the same one that Rangers fans are up and down the country or the ones on their way to Hamden would have had themselves. Just real surprise that Raskin wasn't involved. Um, I mean, we spoke last week, but we thought, I mean, I really just think, thought it was a no-brainer that he was, he was going to start because... The signs of what he'd shown in the first few weeks were so encouraging. And yes, it was a small sample size, but you know, he looked like a guy that offered something that this Rangers midfield so far has, has really failed to do, which is you know playing in the front foot, playing with urgency, playing with drive, determination to to, to play forward quickly, and rather than just you know with a slow tepid you know um, tempo that has really hurt Rangers at times this season. Um, so for him not to be in the starting eleven. Was a real shock. Um, obviously, we, I think we spoke in the pod last week. We, we, Scott and I, we said we thought it would be good to see him in alongside Lundstrom, but I don't think there's any doubt that Lunch, this Lundstrom that we're this John Lundstrom we're seeing at the moment, isn't a top form or at his game, fully fit. John Lundstrom to me looks like he, he's playing labour, doesn't he? He's only playing at eighty percent. Tillman as well didn't look look fit. I think Tillman's, you know, the type of player he is. He's, you know, he's quite lackadaisical. He can be, you know, just a bit languid. He just seems to think he's got all the time in the world. And I just don't think in an old firm game like this, um, a fixture like this, you get that time. There's so many times he was just so casual on the ball, uh, trying to lift his head, trying to pick a pass. And yeah, you know, you know, coming from Bayern Munich, I'm sure playing in the Bundesliga, that's the sort of thing you get. But this is now what. 
Uh, Malik Tillman's what he's third to his fourth old firm game, and he's it's not twigged him yet. You're just not going to get that time, mate. You, you really need to get the take a touch and move the ball quickly because he's caught in possession time after time. And yeah, I mean, I don't, as I say, I don't think anybody could have blamed Michael Beale for picking Tillman, but again, was he fully fit? He said at the press conference, was he was looking for guys to be honest with him. You know, we, we, we've not asked him that question, that'll be something we'll hope to put to him on, on, on Thursday, whether or not. Guys had, had told them they were fit, and you know maybe weren't quite at a hundred percent. But for me, he got his team selections wrong, and then he probably exacerbated it by waiting a wee bit too long to make the the substitutions. I felt he could have he could acted at half time, and it would have had a, a big impact. Obviously, gave the likes of uh, Lundstrom, Kamara, um, Tillman, you know. Uh, uh, a chance to come on and sort of turn things around. It didn't happen to that. They, they obviously go 2-0 down. Morelos pulls a goal back. But by the time he gets Raskin and Cantwell on, and they, they did give a, an immediate lift. And Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack. Yeah, yeah, back yeah, exactly. well. the, the three of them, they did give the team an immediate lift. But by that point, time's running out. And yeah. you know what happens when time starts running out? You start getting into panic stations a wee bit and the game gets really scrappy in the final sort of 10 minutes. And... I thought the way Rangers managed that final ten minutes wasn't great. If anything, they, they sort of they, they overrushed things and you know they, they gave the ball away constantly, and that just allowed Celtic just to see out the final ten minutes. If anything, Celtic you know probably should have won by more in the end, given that they had about three big opportunities that last sort of five ten minutes. So you know, I, I don't think you know I, I seen Michael Beals had a lot of stick. A lot of people saying the results on him, and yeah, you know maybe it was his decision ultimately that you know perhaps contributed to, to the performance but it's harsh to be too critical of a guy, he's, he's two minutes in the door Rangers knew they were getting an inexperienced manager when they appointed him this will be a learning lesson from it's now about how he responds, does he take these lessons on board and does he you know, when he comes to these pressure situations does he react in the right way, does he make the calls that are going to you know, enable Rangers to get across the line, if he doesn't then we'll know what happens but um, a disappointing day if you're a Rangers fan I would say and- and where the players need to take responsibility is that you know, it feels like these Rangers players are the only people in Scotland that don't know that to get any joy against this Celtic team, you need to get at them and get in their face and press them and put them under pressure. That's the, It's the only way you can play against this Celtic team. And yet, as I say, we're, we're looking at a group of players, know for the first time that going into a game like that and it's passive and it's lacklustre and it's slow and it's laboured. I just don't get it. Just touching on Andy's point about Tillman, and again, I would be critical of Tillman for all of those reasons. Where I, I feel slightly sorry for him is that I know Bill likes to play the kind of one sitting midfielder and obviously one at either, at either side, and that's mm. what he did on Sunday. But that then involves your number eight, or the two number eights, Kamara and Tillman. No, I don't get get through a lot of work you know, yeah. Tillman having to do those shuttles out and in out and in I just don't think that's Tillman's game I that as so, well Scott yeah, yeah uh, I thought exactly the same Scott he, he, Tillman he, he's he, got to, he didn't enjoy having to run back to no. goal. He's, got to play, he's got to play as a number 10 so again hindsight's a wonderful thing but it'd have been better going with just the two sitting midfielders taking a match up against Celtic's two number 8s you get Tillman or Cantwell, whatever one you pick, in and around McGregor and giving him a bit of licence to go and, go and create. It felt as if he didn't really have that 
freedom because he spent too much time going back the way. I mean, if you look at the second goal, when Aaron Moy picks the ball up, Tillman's Rangers' furthest back midfield. It's Tillman having to make the challenge outside his own box, trying to stop Moy from from threading a ball uh, a ball through the, into the Rangers' box. That's just no Tillman's Tillman's game. So, in terms you know, of in terms of matching up against Celtic, because that ultimately is the be-all and end-all for, for Rangers on a domestic level. How, what was that final tell us about the golf between the two? I mean, Rangers, before the kick-off, were not far away from Celtic. And I still believe the squad they've got, they shouldn't be that far away from Celtic. But is that a squad needing major surgery this, this summer? I mean, I, I can't, was it Willie Miller said at the weekend... They're 20% off Celtic or something. They need, they need to make 10 signings in the summer. I don't want to attribute that to Willie Miller, but somebody said that they need to make 10 signings and eight of them have to be good signings. I, I, wouldn't, I don't know if they need as many as that. Um, but what they need is whoever comes in has to be better than what's there before. And too often, uh, Rangers have made signings that haven't tested the starting 11 as you say you only need to, as you say mention that the fact that you've still got a team that was largely still here in 2019 uh, to prove that for us so you know I mean I, I look at this team you look at what's going to be required in the summer you're probably looking at certainly a goalkeeper um, you're probably looking at maybe another midfielder a right winger a striker and then that's before if Morelos and Kent go and then you may be looking at another striker and a left winger. There's a lot of work to be done. Far off then, then, and Rangers really can't afford to have the kind of you know wastage that they've had. You know, you look at you know the seven that have come in uh, last summer. Okay, Cholak started off well, but he's never really been trusted to to, to play in the big games. Uh, you know, say Ben Davies has, has looked okay. Yuma's, uh, Tom Lawrence, Suter, you know, three of them have been injured for large spells of the season, so you've not really had a a, a proper look at them. There's not been much value from from the money they've, they've had to put out, pay out to get them in. And then Rabbi Matondo, who's uh, just seems to be a mile out of the picture, and again coming in for a lot of money. So Rangers cannot afford to to you know have signings that don't come in and work to that extent. I mean. It's been quite remarkable the way that Celtic have operated in the transfer market this last sort of eighteen months. There hasn't been all. I mean, I, I, I haven't checked the figures recently, but let's say there's fifteen or sixteen players they brought in in terms of guys that you would call outright flops. I mean, there's there's there's, there's not many. Um, guys, a couple of guys haven't worked out. You know, at the good gone already. Yeah. Um. You know. Um. James McCarthy. I mean, that's about it. I mean, and even then, you wouldn't. You know. You wouldn't even have the chance to say that they were flops because they just haven't had a, a chance to play because other guys have been so good. So that's the kind of benchmark that Rangers are now having to operate. And the fear will be that Celtic, having strengthened so well during the Ange Postecoglou's time here, are going to do it again in the summer and go further ahead. So you know this is what Rangers are constantly having to battle against, and they really must know that this is a summer come at a huge window where they cannot afford to make poor choices and and when it comes to recruitment. The contra the contrast to the two strikers are the perfect example of that. I mean you look at what Kyogo was given Celtic, I mean he's a two cup finals now and scored two in both of them. He won the, the trophy. Borelos is still searching for that. I mean how 
how long has he been here? Now I know he's the club's record European goal scorer. We know he's had a couple of seasons where he played really well, particularly in Europe. But the difference in those two strikers with how these teams want to play, as uh, I say, look at what Kyogo's giving Celtic off the ball as well as on it. I think it's night and day. And to be honest, Fraser, I think Michael Beale knows that. I've said on here so many times now, as Andy will testify, I don't think Beale is particularly happy with Morelos as his number one striker. But it's his only option because, because unfortunately, Cholak is even less mobile than than uh, than Morelos in terms of pressing high, running channels, closing opponents down. Cholak's a, a box penalty box striker. Yeah, give him give him chances and he'll score. He's not the type. He's not the guy that. Michael Beale's going to want to play centre-forward. Given the choice of all the Rangers strikers, and I've said this before as well, Beale would want Kamar Ruff as his number nine to play the way he wants to play. Um, but injury has prevented him from doing that. I mean, there's Ruff. Couldn't even make the bench again on Sunday, despite everyone thinking he might actually have a part to play in the in the final. So from that point of view, I, I feel for Beale slightly, you know, the hands kind of tied behind his back a bit. And that's where I think there will be major changes. Andy says, I agree, they're going to improve in all the positions, but the centre-forward is going to be huge. Um, I think Michael Beale's actually said he's already got a centre-forward in mind, yeah. you know, lined up mm-hmm. for the summer. I mean, that's how desperate he is to get somebody, to get somebody in. And, you no, know, I've said before, I think Mary lost his time, despite the goal on Sunday, I think his time is up. Rangers need to move on. It's going to be a different style of play. They need somebody different up there. Beal's no daft. He knows that. Plans will already be in place. Um, but I think just in terms of... Uh, listen, I'm no, I don't think there's a massive gulf in terms of you know, 11, you know, the best 11 v 11 in a one-off, a one-off game. But in terms of the kind of squad makeup, guys that are out of contract, stuff like that, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Beal touched on that after the game on Sunday. That has to get sorted out if Rangers are going to seriously put a challenge into Celtic and try and, try and catch them next year. Do you see those two? Uh, do you see those two moving on then in the summer? I mean, what what did you make oh. of the losses drop coming off the park? First of all, I, I, I can't be do, dealing with that. I, I have to admit, it doesn't nah, surprise me. I mean, you almost can you almost can expect it, and I suppose he's just scored. I say his teammates, though. You know what I mean? He's probably think he's in a bit. Yeah, he's in a bit. Yeah, he probably think he's in a bit. Yeah, bit of momentum, but. Listen, I, I think I've said on here before, all these guys are a contract, probably Ryan Kent's the only one I would I would keep. I think it's time for a lot of these guys to move on. I don't know what Andy thinks. I was just gonna ask Scott, I mean, what do you think the approach is now when you think about I mean, it's only really the Scottish Cup left to play for, league looks to be gone. You know, Rangers really need to start thinking of towards next season and building yeah. for that next season. I mean you you like you know if if you're not getting a feeling that the likes of Kent or you know Morelos are going to sign on again and you know obviously you made your point clear in terms of Morelos I mean uh, is is it time now to start prioritising guys you know maybe getting you can't well play his best stuff for for Norwich coming in off the left is it is it now right give him a run in that position see how he judges there you know get the guys that are, are signed up for next season making sure that they are playing into the system understanding the way that, that Bill wants to play is is it. I mean, perhaps at that stage now where you just you start going, Ryan Kent, I said, if you're not staying, then thanks, we'll, we'll see you later as well. I definitely think there's an argument for that, Andy. I mean, what I would say about Kent is that 
he's always struck me as one that no matter what was happening off the pitch in terms of contract, no, he was he's always one that I think does give you hundred percent and tries to make things happen. And his attitude to me always seems seems yeah. spot on. It always he, looks... he got a bit of stick at the weekend, which I, I didn't understand. For me, being at the game, and I've not watched it back since, but for me, he was the one guy, the one guy apart from Alan McGregor that you could probably give pretty yeah. decent credit to from, from that from that first. I would, I would agree with that even when Rangers were playing well, but even when Rangers were playing poorly on Sunday, he was the one that was still looking for the ball, trying to make things happen, even if you no, know, it wasn't coming off at times. So, so I'm not sure if you would leave Kent out as such, you know, in the games coming up. But Michael Beale has to get this sorted out. He has to know. You're right. It's time to plan for next next season. I mean, it's I'm fascinated as to how these next few league games are going to go in particular. I mean, the cup quarter final take care of itself. It's the last trophy. You know, it's home to the throwers. They know they don't need to win it. But how does he get these players up for these league games? You no, know, like Saturday home to Kilmarnock, a fairly run of the mill Premiership game. I mean. We've been to the last few home games, Andy, and I think the atmosphere's been really poor anyway at Ibrooks because there is that feeling of deflation, uncertainty. You know, they know the league's gone, particularly now after losing that first trophy. Um, I mean, God knows what it'll be like on, on Saturday, but I think you're right. I think Bill has to now seriously look at right, what, you know, who are the ones I'm, he, he said already, he knows the ones he wants to keep. So we have to see some of that in, in team selections. We have to get a team ready for, for next season. And off the pitch, he's got to know for certain whether these guys are staying, who's going, who's staying. Because um, they need a bit of clarity now. They need, to, they need to think about next season. I know the Scottish Cup is still crucial. No, he would love to think the last game of the season at Hamden, no, like a showpiece cup final like last season, they can win that and it can send you off uh, in the summer on a, on a real high and sets you up for the for the following season but there are so many questions still to be answered uh, before then and I think losing on Sunday I think will just can intensify that even in Bill's own mind he has to get it he has to get these things sorted quickly Scottish Cup so much more than that now as well isn't it though because it's basically looking like they need to win it to stop Celtic winning a treble which yeah. which makes it even bigger than winning last season's Scottish Cup for me <laughs> Um, that, put, that puts so much pressure on them. Fraser, no, untold pressure on the manager who's just in the door and these players, as you say, to you no know, to win a trophy this season and to stop your biggest rivals doing the doing a domestic treble. I mean, when we interviewed Michael Beale this must have been about six weeks ago, no six weeks ago now, we actually used the word unthinkable. No, he said it was unthinkable for this group of players not to win a trophy. This season, I mean, that's looked like a distinct possibility. Yes. and there's ma- major pressure on them. Uh, and again, I go back to there's major pressure on them because they didn't turn up on Sunday. No, went in with the wrong, no, the wrong attitude, wrong approach, and now this pressure's heaped on them to, to go and win the Scottish Cup. As I said earlier on, I mean, it, it does seem a bit harsh to be throwing too much criticism at Michael Beals given just how new he is into the role, but I think what he'll realise, even though it's only one defeat, and it is obviously to, to Celtic, who are clearly the best team in the country, but the honeymoon period is now over. I mean, and if he doesn't find a way to get a trophy this season, then, then Scott's absolutely right. Then the pressure builds, and 
you know, you, you saw how quickly things with Gio Van Bronckhurst unraveled six months on for, for you know taking the club to a European final. That counts for nothing. Michael Beale's you know lauded for the role he played in helping the team to win uh, the league a couple of years ago as part of Stephen Gerrard's team. But you know those successes are gone now. They're, they are forgotten about their ancient history. It's the here and now, and Michael Beale will. I'm sure he does know that he will be judged purely on what he can deliver in the short term, and that is a you know it's. As you know, as journalists, we always like to ask uh, managers about long-term planning, and, and and the best will in the world, they all love to do that. They would all love to have that stability to, to plan two, three, four years down the line. But at the end of the day, as a Rangers manager, as a Celtic manager, you're judged on next Saturday and the Saturday after that. So, you know, Michael Beale's got a big job on if he wants to, you know, to keep the wolves at the door. I'm not saying that they're there yet. I'm not saying they're anywhere near there yet, but. You know, these is how this is how things unravels in, in the old firm. You know, if you don't win one big match, you know, then then you know very quickly things can turn against you. So that I mean, as I say, it does seem harsh to be talking in these terms, but you know, in the day that Michael Beale has been you know appointed to deliver trophies, and you know that's test number one. He's he's not managed to tick off. He's got another chance before the end of the season. For his sake, he needs to do it. I think he needs to do that just to. To give himself that bit of respite going into next season, which again will be another huge task. And you know, you know, it's going to be difficult. Celtic, you know, looking like they're going to get automatic Champions League cash. That's another big chunk of money for them to spend in the summer. It's it, it's not an easy job, and but I'm, I'm sure he, he knew that before he took over. It's going well, to be problem is problem is Fraser, and I, I think I said this last week that the next old firm game, league game, obviously is you no know, back to Celtic Park and. No, Rangers fans need, need to see the Rangers manager no, put down some kind of marker in, in all firm games at, at Celtic Park because in recent history, because of the 3-0, 4-0 hammerings they took under under Van Bronckhurst. No, I agree with Andy, and I'm not being heavily critical of Bill because I do feel for him, and I think he is in the middle of a process, and I think he actually does know what's required and what's needed. But the problem is these games are still coming thick and fast. And Andy's right, as Rangers manager, you're judged on the next game. You're also judged on how you do against Celtic, whether you like it or not. And unfortunately, they've lost that cup final. Well, kind of lost it with a whimper, let's be honest. And the next league game against Celtic, they're going to have the need to go away from home. If, and I know it's a big if, but you need to think about Rangers' motivation levels now. If the league's already gone, you think of the atmosphere at Celtic Park, what it's going to be like that day. If he was to lose that game, which let's be honest, wouldn't it be a surprise? No, you can lose games away away from home, all firm games. But if he was to lose that, he's already lost the cup final. As Andy says, suddenly pressure's building. Now, of course, he's going to, the, the summer is where he's going to make the changes. He's going to get you know, his proper recruitment in. It's going to be all about next season. But I just think Sunday, in that regard, was just a huge missed opportunity for Rangers you know, to put in a performance in a neutral venue, go and win a trophy. You no, know, That would have just eased so much of the, the pressure. Mm. Um, but now, as I say, with that performance, losing the cup, the thought of the next old firm game at, at Celtic Park, honestly, I mean, the intensity, Michael Beale knows this, but the intensity is going to build and build. Um, and between him and these Rangers players, they need to show the fans something. They need to show them something ahead of next season that, that 
it proves to them, no, we won't, no, we won't be rolled over again. It just won't happen. It starts on Saturday then. I mean, Kilmarnock at home in the Premiership. Kilmarnock's away record is absolutely rotten, which which will probably help. But I don't, can't really see anything but a victory there. But more interestingly, going back to what you said, just just to wrap up here, but going back to what you said about maybe using players that will be there next season. Do you, do you see, Andy, there being wholesale changes this weekend against Kelly? Mm, uh, I would... Yeah, it's a game where you can make changes, I would say. I mean, that's no disrespect to Kelly. As you say, you mentioned that they're away record. And you know, I've just been down at Kamal speaking to Derek McInnes. You know, he'll be setting out to to make life as difficult as possible, just as he did at Rugby Park um, just around the New Year's period. But, you know, I, I, the reason I asked that question to Scott is because I think, I agree with Scott, it is time where you start now turning towards, you know, the new season. That if, if Ryan Kent still isn't given any clearer indication. Obviously, we don't know what's been uh, going on behind the scenes. We ask about it regularly, and we're always told there's been no update, so we can only assume that as things stands, we're no nearer to a new contract for him. Then I, I tend to think that, you know, okay, Todd Cantwell, he played his best stuff for, for Norwich coming off that left-hand side. Then maybe we should be, maybe Rangers should be looking to, to give him that you know, a run there to see what what, he's, what he can do in that position. You know, same with Morelos. You know, indications are that he won't be staying on. So, okay, we, we've decided that Cholak probably isn't you know Michael Beale's preferred choice as a striker. But end of the day, he's the one that's under contract for next season. So, you know, do, do you, I think there's a lot to be said that you prioritise these guys. I mean, I'm not saying wholesale changes because right now I'm not entirely sure that Rangers. Uh, I don't think that they, there's so many guys that you can do that with. Um, you still, I mean, the majority of the squad are still under contract. I mean, we spoke about Ryan Jack earlier on. I mean, you know, Scott's saying, you know, Kent's probably the only one, but they would keep. But I mean, I look at Ryan Jack, and I still think there's a player there that can be very important to this Rangers team. You know, but. You know, Michael Beale's already spoken about he wants to cut the squad. So, I mean, there's a big question marks over a lot of players this season and, you know, time's running out. I mean, you know, Michael Beale's spoken about, you know, using this period to, to make assessments of players. I, I think the biggest assessment that you can look at is going that in a cup final where everything's on the line, a lot of these guys are folded again and not for the first time. And I think, you know, you'll know... That, what their abilities are it's about character now and this is what he needs to decide has he got the characters that he can take forward with him and we'll, that, we'll, that, we'll just have to wait and see what he, he comes up with put it this way I'd be, I'd be amazed if Raskin and Jack and Cantwell don't start on Saturday um, I mean we've already touched on it in terms of Sunday but I mean his first subs he changes the entire midfield I mean when do you ever when do you ever see that in games? You just change the entire midfield three. I mean, if ever there's a no a kind of acceptance that you've got it, you've got it wrong in that particular day, then then that was it. So as I say these guys only had half an hour. I thought Raskin and Jack looked pretty good together when they came on, albeit the games the games kind of gone. But um, I would expect him to start on Saturday, and I'd expect Cantwell to start as well. Whether that's on the left. Left, right, number ten, whatever it is, um, and I, th- I mean, I, Andy's right. I mean, they, they've no really, they can't really make 
that many changes I mean the back four will pretty much stay the same. They don't have too many options in that regard. I'm thinking show that though, Scott. I mean, is this not a bit uh, unfair on the guy who okay he does a different job than Relos, but he's good at it. You know, as a penalty box predator, one touch finisher. He's one of the best. You might, you might be right. Listen, I, I don't think he's been fully fit. Phrase, I don't think. I, I think that's why he's not played yeah. as many games. He's, he was obviously injury free at the start of the season when he was scoring every week. He seems to have had a lot of injury problems, niggly ones since Michael Beale came in and has never really got a chance, never really got a run. But you're right, home to Kilmarnock. No, with those players around him that we're talking about, no, your Cantwells, Kent's, Tillmans, you'd like to think there'd be chances made. So. Uh, he certainly he's a better finisher. I think he's a better finisher on the penalty box than, than Morelos. So, yeah. as Andy yeah. says, with the Morelos thing still up in the air, well, how long do you give Morelos? I mean, do you just play him every week, even though you don't even know if he's going to be there next season? As Andy says, you know, Cholak's going to be there, whether he's your first choice or no, you're pretty, pretty much certain he's going to be in the squad starting next season. So, if he's 100% fit, it wouldn't surprise me to see him starting. And as I say, I think you'll see a different midfield. Um, I think Cantwell will come in kind of middle to front to give them something something a wee bit different. So yeah, I think there will be changes. I'd be amazed if it's if it's the same team as Sunday, put it that way. Brilliant, lads. What do you think uh, the atmosphere will be like on Saturday? It could be interesting, eh? A bit of, do you expect it to be a bit flat? Do you expect it to be a bit negative towards the players or what would you think? Not so much about the the players, but I think you'll find that uh, the board might come under a wee bit. Heat again. I mean, we saw sort of bits of that earlier on in the season. Obviously, the AGM Ross Wilson get a bit of stick. Um, you know, as I say, as we both said earlier on, it seems harsh to be throwing too much uh, criticism at Michael Beale's direction, given the, how new he is into the job. But you know, I, th- I think you might see if things, you know, if results. Uh, a few results slip between here and you know the next old firm game, the next uh, between the, now and the split between end of the season. Then I think you might see a wee bit more of the ire sort of directed towards the board because they would say that there has been mistakes made at board level as, as much as there's been mistakes made in the pitch, and you know that that is going to you know in the day you, could, you can't keep sacking managers and, and think that that'll. Change it, um, you know. Gio Van Bronckhorst paid a heavy price for the, the, the errors at the, the start of the season, the, the way the Champions League campaign went. But eventually, you know, the ire will, will be directed up the stairs as well. So, uh, you know, okay, yeah, the players, uh, you know, the, the James Tavernier admitted it after the game, the players sort of let, let the, the fans down, but um. You know, eventually the, the, the punters will, will start looking at elsewhere to, to throw their, their criticism and their anger at. So, um, I would, I would be, expect to see that as the season goes on. If, if results don't sort of, you know, show so show signs if, of encouragement. If ever there was a game where the fan, where the players need to get the fans up for it, then this is probably it on Saturday. I mean, sometimes it's the other way around, but it's going to be quiet on Saturday. It's going to be flat. As you say, Fred, you know, the fans are going to be waiting for a performance, waiting for somebody to show a spark, especially for the start. I mean, if it's another slow start to the game, you'll hear the you'll hear the jeers right away. You know, you'll hear that kind of mood uh, you know, get worse as the game goes on. So they're going to need to start going to, need to start quick, try and get out the traps, try and get an early goal. As I say, if ever there's a game where players need to get the fans going, get fans off their seat, then 
Saturday's probably it. Yeah, no excuses. You both going along, yeah? Yeah, we'll be there. Right. The dream team. Brilliant. Well, don't forget, you can catch all the build-up to that one and the match itself on dailyrecord.co.uk and, of course, in the paper and the Sunday Mail the day after. And, uh, guys, thanks very much for joining us. 